1995, having been unable to answer the most important question about poverty in the United States, I went to the Bedford Hills Prison north of New York City to observe its family violence program. I had a book to write, and I could not find an ending for it. For years, I had looked everywhere, interviewed hundreds of people, and while I had developed a theory about poverty and its causes, no solution presented itself. I hoped I would find one there in the prison. Like most of what one learns about the poor, the surface life of the prison revealed less than I had expected, and the emotional and intellectual depths were greater than I could have imagined. The next seventeen years would be governed by that afternoon at Bedford Hills. I would struggle to continue my work as a writer, while the ideas engendered that afternoon threatened to engulf me. I have written elsewhere about some of the people who participated in the program that came to be called, in much of the world, the Clemente Course in the Humanities, and also the Odyssey Course, or Venture, or Alta Cultura Maya, Hunabku, or Yaviskanir Yarek, or simply Humanities 101. The effort, until now, was always to present the theory with the people no more than illustrative of the work. This is a book about the people about the founders of some of the many courses, their struggles, their generosity, and their extraordinary intelligence. The center of every course is now, in every language and culture, as it has always been, the students who come heroically out of a surround of force at the edge of hopelessness to the beauty and clarity of reflective thinking. They and their children are proof that poverty is not a necessary condition of human life. We teach freedom. A Prison Romance I was wrong. Not entirely wrong, but wrong. And it took almost 17 years to uncover the errors. She was the cause of it all. About that, I have no doubt. She was there at the beginning, she and her freckles and opaque eyes. You might say that she was the beginning, and you wouldn't be far off the mark, although it didn't happen quite the way it sounds. It was a series of accidents. I had not gone up to the prison to find romance or a plot line or a character for a novel. My interest was sociological. I went with a cold eye. That much is true. It is also true that a maximum security prison is a writer's dream, for writers are romantics, and I am no exception. Had it been otherwise, there would have been no mistake, and I would have wandered the world with different intellectual goods in my salesman's kit. I first wrote about the woman in the prison and the work she engendered a long time ago, before I could say what I knew about her or the effect she would have on me and the work I was to do. The Bedford Hills Prison, an hour and a half north of New York City on a good day, was almost a hundred years old when I first saw it. In summer, the road off the freeway curls around and down through stands of tall, spindly trees and runs on beside summer fields. Half a mile in, there's a hint of what lies ahead, a dead and stony field where yellow buses and cars, frosted with gray dust, sit parked in the sun, waiting. Nothing moves outside the prison unless the shifts change or the visitors come and go on the yellow buses. The brick buildings beyond the dead square set among the old, heavy trees give off an air of patience. It is a maximum security prison. Every woman there has been sentenced to at least six years, and more than a few will be there for life.
At Bedford Hills, I would learn that prison is more violent than the streets. She would teach me. She would be my professor, as I would soon be hers. On that first afternoon, the prisoners and two social workers and I sat in a circle of metal chairs in a large room somewhere in the center of the prison. I do not know where. The social worker directed me to sit next to a small, slightly chubby young woman. The woman and I shook hands and introduced ourselves in the formal manner I thought appropriate to a prison visit. When she looked at me, her eyes were perfectly opaque, hostile, prison eyes, and her mouth was set in the beginning of a sneer. We listened to presentations about the abuse of women and heard their stories, saw them weeping as they spoke. There was a videotape of some of the women, more intimate than what they said in the room.